Coming up next on Tech News Weekly, I'm Jason Howell, and I start things off talking about the really big, literally breaking news right before the show uh, story about uh, Apple supporting RCS sometime next year. Will Saddleberg from Android Police talks all about that. And there goes a pig flying through the sky. Exactly. <laughs> up next, I am Micah Sargent, and I have Daniel Rubino on the show from Windows Central to talk all things Microsoft Ignite. It's all about AI, as you might imagine. Noise-canceling headphones, we know what they do for us already, but it turns out the technology can be reworked so that it acts like a mixer for your life. That's really neat. Ooh, and I think it's about time Common Sense Media has its first ratings for those AI services to make sure that you know what your kids are using and maybe which tools they shouldn't be. All of that coming up on Tech News Weekly. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Tech News Weekly, episode 312, recorded Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Apple supporting RCS in 2024. This episode of Tech News Weekly is brought to you by Mylio. Mylio Photos is a smart and powerful system that lets you easily organize, edit, and manage years of important documents, photos, and videos in an offline library hosted on any device. Check out their limited-time holiday gift bundle for a 25% discount on Mylio Photos Plus at mylio.com slash twit25. And by Melissa, the global leader in contact data quality. Bad data is bad business. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date this holiday season. Get started today with 1,000 records cleaned for free at melissa.com slash twit. And by ZocDoc, the free app where you can find and book appointments online with thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed physicians and specialists. Filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition. Go to ZocDoc.com TNW and download the ZocDoc app for free. Hello and welcome to Tech News Weekly, the show where every week we talk to and about the people making and breaking the tech news i am one of your hosts micah Sargent. i'm the other guy jason howell right up to showtime this was breaking 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 i mean i thought i thought my prep was all done and then i sit down (laughs) i'm like wait a minute this this changes things it does change things yes uh and what are we even talking about you aren't even gonna have to wait until like mid-show to know what we're talking about right now because it's right off the top i love it when things work out that way will saddleberg from uh android police is here to talk all about the many ways in which this like android iphone messaging green bubble blue bubble iMessage, nothing phone i mean it's it's many things teens and uh, and the smartphone usage it's everything all combined into one giant soup and thankfully will you are here to make sense of it how you doing i'm good jason hi hi micah Hello. hi jason um yeah what uh what a day uh, this turned out to be. Uh, Jason sent me an email like 30 minutes before I was supposed to jump on the call and was like, well, uh, this is more interesting now, I guess. And yeah, it's just, yeah, so, uh, we should just get into it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, initially this this whole discussion was going to be about nothing phone um, and, yeah. and their announcement. They made an announcement, was it yesterday or the day before, that essentially... They have a partnership with a company called Sunbird to essentially enable iMessage on their phone, their phone running Android. Maybe maybe we should just start there since that was kind of the genesis of this. What exactly is that? 
Yeah, um, Sunbird is an app that launched about a year ago. Uh, it, it essentially, um, if you manage to get off their wait list, which I, I don't know how many people did, I didn't. Uh, it it allows you to log in using your Apple ID to one of their what is essentially a Mac Mini running in a server farm, and then when you send a message through the Sunbird app, it it on Android it uh, reroutes through that Mac Mini, sends it as an iMessage uh, to an iPhone, um, and you can communicate through that. There are a couple other apps that do this. Air Message uh, uses your own Mac hardware. Um, and and beeper if people know beeper uh, yeah. which has like allows you to plug in like all sorts of basically any messaging app uh, including iMessage it's the same idea of like rerouting through a, a a Mac mini sitting somewhere um remote uh basically nothing announced that they were uh going to partner with Sunbird on an app called Nothing Chats which would uh be exclusive to the Nothing Phone 2 which launched earlier this year and allow for uh basically you know communication between nothing phone two users and iMessage users um without any restrictions between them which was a big deal up until about an hour ago yeah uh, yeah yeah and you you literally just published this article that we're looking at here about a half yeah. an hour ago looks like it hit the site the news yeah. being that apple has announced I have to imagine dragging their feet to some degree has announced that they are going to bring RCS support to the iPhone sometime next year. And wow, we could go in a million different directions on this conversation, but let's, I mean, (laughs) some people on social media, you know, were quick to say like, wow, hell is freezing over. (laughs) So I, I guess my question for you is, did you think that you would ever see this move from Apple? I was never convinced that it would happen. 100%, but I had a good feeling that eventually it would because RCS really does seem like it's, it's been positioned to be the, the upgrade to this very antiquated protocol. What's what are your thoughts? Yeah. So, so I, I agree with you. I would say, as I've written about this in the past, um, I always thought, you know, Google has, has really been pushing with this, get the message campaign they've done for over a year now. Um, I never thought a PR campaign would pressure Apple. I always thought mm-hmm. it would be either regulatory pressure, uh, specifically from the EU, because I, I don't, I, I never thought we would see it from the US government and we haven't. Um, or it would be, uh, like pressure from the carriers to kind of be like, hey, we want to drop SMS or we want, you know, more people using RCS. Can you please add RCS to the iPhone? Um, and it seems like it's probably the former that did this. It's it's not really, I, I, I'm sure Google is going to do a victory lap on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my guess would be, you know, last week we saw Google uh, and, and a bunch of European carriers write mm-hmm. to the uh, European Commission to uh, try to get iMessage uh, listed as part of their um, new rules about gatekeeper apps. Um, which which uh, iMessage is under investigation, and if that were to, if iMessage were to be added to that list of services that that you know require specific, uh, you know, ways of interoperability, like it could be, it could mean they would have to work with apps like WhatsApp, um, which I don't think Apple wants. I think Apple doing this RCS move is trying to come out on top uh, without having to completely open up iMessage. They're saying, well, look. You know, if we add RCS support, it's kind of its own thing. iMessage still exists, but it's, you know, if you have an Android phone, you can now, you know, 
get kind of uh, improved messaging, you know, typing indicators, red receipts, all the stuff that I think people have wanted between iOS and, and Android for a long time. And uh, they don't have to start working with meta or something to to have that between like specific apps. Yeah, it's it's interesting because uh, I'm sure I, I'm guessing the way the regulatory winds have been blowing, and especially in, in the EU in the past couple of years, this was probably inevitably going to be somewhat of a target, regardless of if Google did its P, big PR campaign or not. Yeah, I have a feeling though that you know some of that Google um, attention and effort there. Is kind of part is part of this. It's it's hard to know which came first, the chicken or the egg. You know, are they are they really giving yeah. it that extra attention because of Google, or is it yeah. just you know kind of Google had their thing and they were going to do that anyways? But regardless, like I'll go ahead and pat Google on the back a little bit. They they definitely took a chance. They took a risk in really hitting the the PR front on this, and I think they could, they probably have some cause to celebrate here. It doesn't really like I know for myself as an Android user. I'm satisfied. Yeah. I don't feel yes. like I need an iMessage app on my phone, quite honestly. Like, I don't need another app on my phone. But I do want to know that my conversations with people on iPhones isn't going to, you know, give me... Like, I just I just got a handful of photos from, uh, from someone who I was in contact with this morning who has an iPhone. And they're all low-resolution, small images, you know. So now i got to ask them, hey, can you send that in a different way because these yeah. aren't ideal? Like, I don't... Those inconveniences don't crop up and i don't think it's going to end up you know, really addressing the green bubble blue bubble thing do you have any knowledge around that aspect of things there doesn't seem to be anything here that would indicate otherwise yeah i'm really curious how this translates to in, in my news write-up on this i kind of included of like is this you know our our RCS conversations still going to be green bubbles. Like, are they going to use a different color? It doesn't sound like they would use blue bubbles specifically because Apple, um, in talking to uh, uh, 9to5Mac today, made it very clear that they were going to, like, iMessage is, is its own thing. Like, this is not RCS and iMessage. This is, um, or iMessage and Android. This is RCS and iOS. Yeah. Um, it, it'll certainly use the messages app the same way SMS does, but it won't, uh, you know, it, it won't work quite how iMessage on Android uh, would work if mm. you were to think of that. Um, so, so you know, I'm I'm curious. It does sound like basically every RCS feature you would want, right? Like every every enhanced messaging feature you would want. So, higher quality media, Jason, in your case, or mm. run receipts, typing indicators, location sharing. Um, and the ability to work over data connections, so that's both, you know, 5G slash 4G and, and Wi-Fi all coming to iOS, which is good. Um, um, and and therefore, and I, I would assume group chats as well, uh, uh, whether or not so. that will be, I know, I, I think that's the big one. That's the big question mark of like, I, I can't see them launching RCS with some kind of arbitrary limitation of like, hey, like, if you want, you know, group chats you, between Android and iOS, you still have to use yeah. MMS. Like, I just can't see that happening. Although, again, we're maybe a year out from this launching, so who knows? Um, but, but I think that would be the real big thing to kind of kill the blue bubble, green bubble thing. That and just like, um, and I wrote about it a little bit this week. This is kind of what we were originally going to talk about mm-hmm. today um, is the the stigma, especially around younger users of of you know. Um, Android users breaking group chats and, and, you know, Apple pushing 
teenagers to to buy iOS devices and and why um, iPhones specifically are so popular among you know younger users. It, it, there was a, a study about not a study but a, a paper about a month ago that was um, nine uh, just shy of nine and ten uh, teenagers buying iPhones and like how bad that is for Android's future in the U.S. Um, I don't know if this will help that. Uh, there are other reasons that the iPhone is so popular um, mm-hmm. in, in the U.S. at the moment, and I, I kind of break that down in my piece uh, at Android Police. Um, but I, I do think iMessage is the biggest one, and, and specifically enhanced messaging uh, on, uh, you know, between group chats and between, you know, it's just with, with the iPhone so popular it's easy for uh, social pressure to push teenagers into buying the device that works with the device all their friends have. So 100%. I'm curious how that changes in 2024 and beyond, but like, you know, any, any prediction I would make would be a guess. You brought up something that I can't get out of my mind now, which is the, yeah. re- this, this is the sheer reality that you pointed out. I think this is going to be really interesting to see what they do going forward iMessage to iMessage. That is blue specifically because it tells the user there are certain features that you get in this conversation that you don't get if it's not blue. And, you know, encryption is the easy one to point to so that when you see it, it's blue. You know, that's an encrypted conversation. I have faith and trust this conversation is encrypted. Greenbubble up until now has told us you don't have those features. And so if you're talking with a Greenbubble, uh, don't expect your conversation to be encrypted, just as one example. Now we're going to have this RCS thing. And RCS, I'm envisioning, I mean, I know it's encrypted with Android, so I'm guessing that they would have this encrypted communication with Apple. What this tells me is there might actually be three colors <laughs> at some point. And green I, might I, still yeah. be the color that is shunned because you get no protection whatsoever. You get yeah. absolutely none of the benefits. RCS is some, I don't know, purple, purple. or <laughs> yellow. I'm hoping for purple. Or, or I wow. put purple in my news post. I was like, come on, Apple, do, do purple, do, <laughs> do green, purple, blue. Come on. It's right there. Oh, uh, but I mean, but I guess the point is, and, and I'm, I'm not taking credit for this because you, you're the one that said it, but there is going to be a need to still identify the type yeah. of protection. If Apple made that a priority before, they're going to make it a priority yeah. here. And I wonder what the... You know, and it's totally a guess, but what is the social stigma or social impact of that going forward? We already know what the impact has been on the green bubble, blue bubble debate, but now you've got an extra color. Is that one let go? Because, hey, we get everything we need, or is it still not blue? So it's not okay. I know. I know. It's, it's you know, I want to hope it is like, well, you know, purple's not blue, but yeah, you didn't break the group chat or right. whatever, right? Totally. So, <laughs> I'm hoping it is basically like, uh, all right, like purple's fine or whatever color it ends up being. Um, I do think it will have to be a third color, right? Like I, I think, I think they wouldn't want just, even just from a security perspective, wouldn't want um, to reuse green because they are, you know, RCS uh, is encrypted or can be encrypted. Um, And, and in Apple's statements today, they're making it clear that although, you know, unsurprisingly they're like iMessage is much more secure and private uh that right. rcs is an upgrade above sms and that they are working with the uh, gsma to to continue improving rcs so it's clear that they have privacy on their mind with this update but um 
Yeah, I am so clear, uh, or I, I'm so I'm so curious where the uh, where the stigma is in two years, right? Yeah. So we have probably you know let's say this launches with iOS 18 in September of 2024. Um, that seems as likely as anything. You know, I'm so curious where we are in September of 2025. Like I yep. I could see. I could see that stigma still being there. It is certainly uh, entrenched in in culture, especially in the U.S. of like, you know, from from sports leagues to to high schools. Like it is a it is a whole thing. It's a thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and but you know, if the group chats function how people want them to function, I right. think it's possible that that we start to see that break at least a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm just. Uh, but honestly, your guess is as good as mine. Right. It's, it's all, it's all guessing at this point. I think at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to see this happen because I think it's, you know, it's not just good for Android users. It's good for iOS users. Yeah. I've, I've talked before about how I want to know, I have that anxiety when I send an Android user something that it's not going to show up how I'm expecting it to. Mm -hmm. And so to know that the message, the, the photos are going to show up in as high quality as they can be. It makes me feel a lot better about it. And honestly, the whole thing has always bugged me because we call the person that we're sending the message to the green bubble. But the fact is, the color that is changed is the color of our messages, not the other person's messages. The other person's messages yeah. come in in gray background with black text. It's mm. our message that changes. So really, it makes us the green bubble. When I send you a message, I'm the green bubble, <laughs> but it's your fault. We are all green bubbles, <laughs> Micah. Yes. And Micah, that's a great perspective. I like that. Yeah. It's actually, it's all on iPhone users yeah. uh, to critique. Yeah. No, it's, I, I think at the end of the day, I, I am hopeful that, you know, as much as this has been a thing for a decade, basically, that, you know, people are able to kind of chill and be like, look, like we really wanted the features. It wasn't the color of the right, bubble that was right, just an yeah. easy way, you know, and now that they're here more or less, you know, I still can't. Well, I mean, even FaceTime is in the browser, but, uh, you know, it's it's sure it's not perfect, but you're also not destroying anything. Maybe we have to start a new chat, but that's about it, um, you know. I'm hoping that that kind of lets people chill because there is a weird amount of heat around uh, iOS versus Android kind of specifically for this reason. And I think once this is not there, you know, people are a little more calm about it. And maybe um, iPhone users who are really only there for iMessage can try out Android phones if they want. They don't have to stick with it, but, you know. Android phones are pretty good these days. It, this was actually a really good year for uh, for Android phones, in my opinion. We're putting together our end-of-year awards at Android Police, and the list of candidates is much longer than it was last year. And, you know, whether you just want to try something new or you want to try a foldable or something, like yep. that opportunity of will options. kind of exist. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's exciting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I know I'm excited to see the news and excited to see where it goes. So, Will, thank you so much for uh, coming on and, you know, re- g- going with the flow because we had plans. You know what? This conversation makes me realize poor nothing. They had the, they had the, uh, the attention for like a, a moment and then this happened and the attention's completely gone. <laughs> you know? it's, so, I wonder how they're feeling about that. That's funny. And that, that app launches tomorrow. Like that's the real <laughs> shame. That app hits the Play Store Apple tomorrow. Wins again. 
Apple. <laughs> all right. Will Saddleberg writes for Android Police. You can find all three of the articles that he's written in the past couple of days that have to do with each different point of everything we just talked about. Will, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Bye. All righty. Up next, we are going to get some news from Microsoft Ignite. But first, I want to tell you about our first sponsor. It's Mylio. We're bringing you this episode of Tech News Weekly. We have talked a lot about Mylio photos here on the network because we've become big fans of it. And right now, for a limited time, Mylio is offering a holiday gift bundle, which means it's the perfect time to get started. The holiday gift bundle includes one full year of Mylio Photos Plus, easy-to-use editing software Radiant Photo, and premium membership to the photographer community platform ViewBug. Mylio Photos recently dropped the year's biggest update, offering even more customization, accessibility options, and control to how you handle your digital libraries. Mylio Photos Plus offers even more by letting you connect all your devices and take full advantage of the new shared albums and spaces tools to share your media with customized control and privacy. I think Mylio Photos rocks because it is the one place that I know has all of my photos across so many different online libraries, local libraries, local devices, and everything in between. And I love how quickly I can search for things and know that the AI tagging that's taking place in the background, the face recognition that's taking place in the background is happening on device locally. It means that it's zippy quick, but it also means that it's more privacy forward. That's one of the things that I love about it. Uh, With Spaces, this new feature, it lets you sort and organize files into subject-specific views like family, work, personal, and private, and create custom spaces for whatever you want. This opens the door for more productive collaborations with your team or automatically sharing photos with family members signed into the account. And with remote control, you have full control over what's visible and which tools are available on each device connected to your account, no matter who it is. It's the perfect tool for work portfolios, managing project assets, and even personal organization. You can even use Mylio Photos for free on one device. So get 25% off your first year of Mylio Photos Plus today for a limited time. Check out the holiday gift bundle for even more great deals by going to our special URL, mylio.com slash twit25 for your 25% discount. That's M-Y-L-I-O dot com slash twit 25. So download Mylio Photos Plus for free right now at mylio.com slash twit 25. And we thank Mylio for sponsoring this week's episode of Tech News Weekly. All right, back from the break, and it is time to talk about Microsoft and the announcements that it recently made at Ignite. I mean, that it quite literally recently made it at Ignite. Uh, just yesterday, um, our own Windows Weekly podcast uh, was was live at Ignite and, and had some of the announcements, but things keep rolling out. So to help us make sense of what is happening, we have Windows Central's own Daniel Rubino uh, back on the show. Welcome back, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always a pleasure to chat with you and to talk about what's going on. I think we should dig right in. Um, first and foremost, let's start with something that I remember uh Mary Jo Foley and Paul Therott on Windows Weekly talking about this ages ago, which is Microsoft Loop. I'm hearing that it's now generally available. Can you tell us what is Microsoft Loop? What does general availability mean? Who can use it? What does it do? Et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, so there's a, a lot of confusion around Loop. Um, it's one of those new products that Microsoft is pursuing in terms of getting people to create things, but online as well as um, being able to collaborate with people uh, remotely, right? So this is obviously part of the push from uh, the COVID thing and work from home and all that. Uh, so it's mostly for business users, right? It's Microsoft 365, uh, business standard, business premium licenses. It's not something that consumers would necessarily want to jump into right now. Like I said, it's more meant for teams who are working on projects. It's a way to track things, uh, keep things separated. And it's a different type of app than say like Microsoft Teams, right? So Microsoft Teams is going to be used for, you know, real-time chats. Uh, you can link to things here. You can link back to those things and share different aspects of Microsoft's different apps like PowerPoint and Excel and put those all into those um, things. But whereas uh, Teams is really good for communication, this is good for actually working on projects, sharing designs, imagery. And of course it has, you know, AI is going to be in it and all that kind of stuff. So is it a big deal for consumers? No, but if you work, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, design, uh, especially kind of graphic design, and you're working on something where other people need to see what you're actually doing and you want to hand off stuff back and forth, this is going to be a great app for that. Nice. Okay. Uh, that, that kind of bums me out that it's not necessarily for everyday users because this seems like it could be a, a real solution for folks who are, uh, you know, maybe looking for something to replace or, or augment Notion or one of those other kind of um, uh, what, what LogSeq and uh, Obsidian and some of these tools that are... Yeah. I was going to say, like, so a lot of this is definitely aimed at big enterprise, but also small businesses, startups, and that kind of uh, stuff. Uh, your point about the consumers, how, like, Microsoft typically works is they release this for those enterprise productivity-based uh, institutions. If they see a lot of uptake on it and a lot of interest, they will then bring it down to the consumer market. But I think we can all agree that Microsoft and the consumer market is always a tough play for them. Yeah. You know, something even like Microsoft Word is used by consumers as well as enterprise, but you know, it's an easier sell because everybody kind of needs a word processor. So that's usually how they kind of operate on this stuff. It is kind of new territory for them, but we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be surprised if this eventually trickles down, maybe in a simpler form. They did do that after all with Microsoft Teams, I would say with less success. Uh, you know, this idea of like, because a lot of small orgs were using Slack. But then you saw a lot of uh, younger people using Discord, mm -hmm. which is really where it came out. So Microsoft was like, well, maybe we can do Teams for consumers kind of play. I would say it wasn't pulled off very well. It was more of an afterthought, but sometimes they do do that. Understood, understood. Now, let's talk about something that may not be incredibly detailed, but at least on the face of it, you go, wait, what's changed there? Um, Bing Chat has a new name. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. So is it just the name that's changing? Will everything else work the same? And what is the new name of Bing Chat? So this is, um, let, let's be you know truthful here. When Microsoft announced Bing Chat uh, back in February, it was a little bit rushed out, right? Everybody knew Google was about to have their announcement. They called, you know, Microsoft called this press conference with very little notice. And so there was this, uh, they'd been working on it, of course, for a while, but in terms of rolling out to the public, uh, came kind of early. So there's that issue with branding. And initially they tied it to Bing. 
And I think that was probably the smart play, uh, partially because it is powered by Bing. Yeah, it's chat GPT uh, does the AI part, but it's also reaching out and getting uh, stuff from Bing. And that's why it's better than chat GPT in that sense. Um, but you also needed to have an edge browser to use it at first. Um, and Bing as a brand is not the best in the world. There was this question, you know, whether or not they can gain markets, uh, larger support and market share mm-hmm. by using this and tying it to Bing because it was so exciting. And it seemed like that might have worked, but the latest numbers uh, from Statista and others show that actually Microsoft really hasn't gained any share, whether it's in browser use or even search engine use, uh, where Bing chat was found. Wow. That said, since then, their whole move has been putting this um, tool into as much stuff as they can. In that process, they decided, well, we, we can't really call it Bing Chat if it's going to be in, say, like Microsoft Word, or eventually it'll be in the Mail app, it'll be Microsoft Teams, because then it gets a little confusing. And they came up with a general name, which is just called Copilot. And it's actually a really good name for it, I think. For one, it's not a um, a personified name, right? Anthropomorphized. So this was always an issue with AI. I can tell you Microsoft internally has struggled with this. Should they give it a name, right? You know, like Cortana was. Um, we should have called it like Siri, like what Apple does, right? Uh, this is not that. So they're just giving it a general name, Copilot, with the implication being it is an assistant that sits there uh, and helps you do what you're supposed to do, but it's not the pilot. So all they're doing here, they're fading out the Bing Chat brand in lieu of Copilot uh, for the web, basically. It still says Copilot, and then it'll say, I think, powered by Bing below it. So they still have the Bing reference there. It is still the same, functions exactly the same. Uh, that's the change. And that came in addition to them releasing a web app. Now, you could always kind of done the web app if you know about Microsoft Edge or use Google Chrome. You can kind of create a web app from any web page, basically. But it does depend, in terms of functionality, uh, how that page was programmed. So all they did was release a website you can go to and then create it as a web app. What's neat about that is you can use this on something like a Chromebook now, and you don't need to use an Edge browser or any specific browser, nor do you need to use Bing search, right? They're not trying to get you now to switch to Bing. They're not trying to get you to switch browsers. This is basically basically a standalone app called Microsoft Copilot. And so it just gives you all that chat stuff. Sure, it's still technically powered by Bing, but it's a different branding altogether. You still need a Microsoft account, however, to access it, which I know some people will um, have issue with, but I think it's just part of where chat apps are at these days, like Google requires that as well. Right, right, yeah. And chat GPT, if you want to use that, you've got to create an account to yes. be able to, to try that out. Now, um, one of the more developer-focused announcements at Ignite uh, that involved AI was the introduction of something called Windows AI Studio. And much in the same way that folks were pretty pumped about uh, the introduction of custom GPTs to chat GPT, I did hear some pretty interesting excitement about Windows AI Studio. What is Windows AI Studio? Yeah, so this is using multiple different types of uh, large language models, LLMs. It is for developers to basically build in these sort of chat clients and two apps. You know, where this technology needs to go, 
you can have destination brands. So we just talked about Microsoft Microsoft Copilot. It's a kind of a destination brand. It's a destination app, right? Mm-hmm. The next evolution of this stuff is going to be, I, I would say, twofold uh, in 2024. One is allowing developers to have access to these tools through APIs and being able to integrate them somehow into their current apps in some way or function. This is reminds me very much of, and I think that's why Nadella says it, Sachin Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, that this is very much like the beginning of the internet. Uh, I remember the beginning of the internet, not the actual art net, but like in <laughs> 1994, 93, when we had AOL at first and then eventually brought it out. You had Gopher, you had FTP, you had all this stuff. No one at that time, and then you had the, the World Wide Web, right? That was now what we take to be the internet. Mm-hmm. But no one at that time actually could predict things like Google Maps and TikTok and YouTube and like where all this stuff would go. That's where we are right now with uh, AI. And that's what this tool is going to help, you know, do basically is to get these tools into developers' hands. Let's see then what they create with it. The other half of this is getting NPUs, neural processing units into hardware. So there, Intel, Qualcomm, and even AMD are building NPUs into all their next-gen CPUs, which are coming uh, very early 2024 for Intel, a little bit later for Qualcomm, and then AMD. And that's going to allow localized processing of this. In fact, I saw how Qualcomm uses it. So you could be able to run something like a chat GPT model locally on your laptop. You wouldn't even need an internet connection, but you could still ask it all the same questions and it's able to fit 7 billion you wow. know, uh, systems into that where it could just do it on the fly. And compared to going to the web and coming back again, it, it's night and day difference. This thing is just instant. You're also not sending your data out to the web and coming back again, which is, of course, a security feature that most people will want. So that's kind of where all this wraps around and why to, 2024 is going to be really important for all this stuff coming together. Understood. Um, and the naming scheme is definitely getting confusing for me because that was what Windows AI Studio. And what I intended to ask you about first was Copilot Studio, which is the other uh, studio that Microsoft has announced. That one is the, and why I led into it with the custom GPTs, because this is essentially Microsoft's way with Copilot Studio to let uh, users create their own AI chatbots, right? Right. Yeah. So that's the new, I don't want to say fad. It's it's almost too early to even call it a fad, but you know, OpenAI has this as well. In fact, a lot of times when you see OpenAI now something, Microsoft has their own kind of version mm-hmm. of that that's either about to come out or waiting in the wings, right? So this is the idea of like creating your own personal chatbots based on Microsoft's technology, which then can be used internally by companies. I can tell you even my company, Future PLC, are, is looking at using these types of models mm-hmm. uh, in terms of helping uh, customers find the thing that they're looking for, right? It's an augmented search, uh, but you can do things like limit search to just our websites, which is really kind of interesting. And so it allows you to use these models, put in the terms you want, but keep it within the system itself versus going out to the wider web and pulling in data. So companies can kind of use this to create all sorts of specific, you know, help tools or like you need to find a document or something that's within the company's uh, repository. Like you can do all that now with these tools. And again, you're getting back to security because it's cool to go to the web, use something like Copilot. Um, but 
you know, you wouldn't want to probably put in your credit card information. Or if you're a company, you probably wouldn't want to upload a document to have it analyze it and summarize it for you if that document maybe contains proprietary information about the company or something secret you're working on, right? Doing all these types of chats, though, uh, these models allows you to do it yourself and set the constraints there. So it's not going out to the web. This is also the play of Copilot Pro. It's, you know, that's what Microsoft's calling that now for enterprise, which builds that into systems as well. The last thing that I want to mention this, uh, I didn't see this until this morning and I thought, oh, this is really compelling as an idea later on down the line is the Windows app that Microsoft yes, has unveiled. Yes. Tell us about this. And then I'm curious to hear your take on how you how we could maybe see this come to consumers yeah. in the future. Yeah, so this is, um, you know, this has been a long time in the making. It's not that different from what people refer to as RDP, the ability to remote into a desktop. Uh, the difference here is this does get powered by or can be powered by what's called Windows 365, which is a subscription service currently mostly aimed at business and enterprise, where you access a cloud-based version of your operating system, in this case Windows, with pre with apps installed and allows you to run those apps remotely. The idea here is that if you have certain secure systems and you only want limited access, or maybe you're even on a Linux system, or Mac OS, you can then go and access it. So it's like a virtualized form of Windows, but it's not actually running virtualized on your desktop. It's up in the cloud somewhere. You're also getting access to much more powerful hardware in theory, because you can base this on different types of levels of computation. Your question about like, where does this go for consumers is an interesting one. You know, I was pointing out today that in 2016, HP announced their uh, X3 Elite. It was a Windows phone. And it came with a dock and you could connect it up to a computer and it would do continuum. So it ran like a version of Windows Mobile, but for the big screen, just like uh, Dex is today for Samsung. But then they had their own service, which you could run on top of that uh, called HP Workspace, which was a virtualized online version of Windows. So then you could run full desktop apps on your phone. How this transcribes to potentially consumers in the coming years is going to be Basically, these really thin client devices you'd be able to carry around. Imagine a laptop weighing 1.3 pounds powered by an ARM processor, which normally if it ran a full operating system, uh, you know, might not get the best battery life even with ARM. But now you can, you know, go online, access this and have access to like a GPU, which you couldn't fit into this laptop and be able to render stuff remotely on that server for you. You can also, if you're a Mac user or you're a Linux user, but you occasionally do need a Windows uh, environment to work from, whether for programming or other projects, you can now access that through this app as well. You could probably, we think it's also gonna be able to run on an Android tablet. Like, so it's, it, that's the ability there. It's just to have this, if I had to make an analogy, if you remember years ago, there was this issue with ISPs becoming dumb pipes. Mm -hmm. Consumers wanted ISPs to be dumb pipes, ISPs to not. So they're always trying to add value to their system. And we're just like, just let us run the internet. That's kind of where hardware is going, in my opinion, where hardware is becoming less important about the software it's running or the operating system. It's about the services it can access. Mm -hmm. And in a sense, hardware is becoming like dumb hardware. You just need the screen, the processor, the RAM and all that. But what it's running on there can be anything you want 
so long as you have access to the internet, you know, and so that's where this technology is going and why Microsoft is very uh, platform neutral, let's say, when it comes to all this technology. Yeah, I think it's very cool to hear about this Windows app and the idea that, you know, I could have one device, maybe I invest in an iPad and I can do my work on it because I can pull up the Windows app and access right. the company's Windows, you know, yep. ecosystem. I think super, super compelling. And I'm glad that Microsoft continues to push forward this platform agnostic uh, ideology. I think yeah. it's, it's really cool. Um, I guess Absolutely. last thing I'd say is anything else uh, from the event that uh, bears mentioning here, or did we did we cover the grounds? You covered most of it. I will say there was a, you know, a little bit of uh, anticipation regarding Microsoft announcing its own ARM processors. There's two of them. One is uh, an Azure-based one. And the other one is an AI-based one, an AI accelerator. It's an interesting play. Uh, we don't know exactly the details of these processors yet. They were made uh, in conjunction with OpenAI support. And it looks like they're trying to uh, Microsoft break away a little bit from NVIDIA here, or rather because NVIDIA is under such high demand for its products. Microsoft wants to have all alternatives. The point here for these chips is the that Microsoft is it's kind of what Apple does. It makes it is trying to make custom silicon to run its own applications based on its own servers and its own uh you know constraints mm -hmm. and regarding how things should be running for AI in terms of optimization. So they're working with OpenAI here for that. So these chips are going to be more optimal, faster, more efficient. They're already working on the second generation of those chips. Now, this has nothing to do with consumers currently. Could that technology trickle down to a consumer laptop at some point? It could. I don't think that's their plan. Between Qualcomm's recent uh, Snapdragon X Elite, and then you have Intel 14th Gen, I, you know, or whatever Meteor Lake is going to be called, I think they're pretty well covered. But I would like to think that Microsoft is keeping this in their back pocket for contingencies in case something like that does happen. All right. Well, Daniel Urbino, I want to thank you so much for your time today and for helping us understand the cool things uh, announced at Ignite. Uh, of course, folks can head over to Windows Central to check out your work, but uh, is there anywhere else they should go to keep up with what you're doing? I'm on Twitter and I'm going to call it Twitter, by the way. It's not actually Twitter. Uh, it's Twitter, uh, Daniel underscore Rubino. And it's the same address on threads as well. I'm active on both. So feel free to follow me there and ask me questions. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Daniel. All right, coming up, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about noise-canceling headphones. What? We know that they can get rid of the environment, but new research actually shows that they can also focus the environment. There's ways to kind of like play around with the, the technology on these things that can do some really cool things. So we're going to talk about that up next. But first... This episode of Tech News Weekly is brought to you by Melissa, the global leader in contact data quality. Uh, and we got the holidays, right? Right around the corner. You can let Melissa help your business meet online shopping expectations. going to be a lot of online shopping. That's going to allow you to increase your ROI, reduce waste, and costs associated with lost and undeliverable packages. And then also, you're improving your customers' overall satisfaction. They're getting what they expect. The importance of early preparedness for retailers before the holiday season is underway, it's indisputable. Here are some of Melissa's tips to help get you started. Start by cleaning out your contact uh, data with Melissa's data cleansing solutions. All of your stale, outdated data actually gets replaced with verified, accurate information, such as replacing old addresses for people who have moved, adding new emails or phone numbers, that sort of stuff. 
Customers always, they want a seamless experience with efficient delivery. So you can make sure your business is actually meeting their expectation. That makes them a happy customer. Next day and two day delivery implementation is in high demand. Uh, everybody expects that these days. Melissa ensures that addresses are verified and standardized at checkout with their autocomplete tool. Not only does having a verified address at checkout ensure the address is actually deliverable, but it also cuts down on keystrokes by up to 75%. That's going to make your customer's experience faster and easier as well. Offering bundles, cross-selling, all that stuff to existing customers, that's more cost-efficient than finding new ones. The holiday season is the perfect time to do this since customers are most likely shopping for others. Profiling your data can give you a better understanding of your customer base and best-selling products, which can help you create more effective marketing strategies. Matching and deduping your data will actually clean your database, keep it nice and fresh, allowing you to see a complete 360-degree view of each customer. And this will actually also help you better understand your customers. That allows for more personalized uh, marketing and a better customer experience all around. Melissa has achieved the highest level of security status available by gaining FedRAMP authorization. While these technologies are exclusively for governmental agencies, all Melissa users automatically gain this superior level of security. Melissa's solutions and services are GDPR and CCPA compliant. They meet SOC 2, HIPAA, high trust standards for information security management. Make sure your customer contact data is up to date. Get started today with 1,000 records clean for free at melissa.com slash twit. That's melissa.com slash twit. We thank them for their support of Tech News Weekly. Okay, so um, we've had noise-canceling headphones for a while yeah. now. I remember the first like pair of noise-canceling headphones that I got, man. Me too. It's really hard to go back when you got those things, especially when you're on, like, on a plane, that sort of thing. It can really filter out things. They've gotten better over time as well. Um, sometimes, though, I have noticed... Like I don't like as much as I like hearing things clearer because I can filter out the environment. I'm in an environment where maybe it's not safe to filter things out. So it's like I want I want it all. I want to be able to filter out, but I don't want to filter out certain things. You know, maybe it's emergency vehicle siren. Maybe it's a baby screaming or an alarm that I need to hear. And sometimes these noise cancellation um, systems are just so effective that you don't hear these things. And are you saying big deal. you want to hear your cake and eat it too? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, but I don't want it to make a mess. <laughs> okay, got let's, it. Let's keep it not messy. <laughs> There's a technology called semantic hearing um, that actually might change this. It's a prototype technology right now. And it's meant to transform current off-the-shelf noise-canceling uh, headphones into something that's a bit smarter. So it uses the onboard mic on a headphone. Uh, that, and this is the button, the mic that would normally be used to capture the world to reduce the noise. Because that's largely how these noise cancellation systems work. They kind of sample the noise that's out there. And uh, I don't know if they're doing reverse phase or what exactly they're doing, but it's probably a combination of things to basically take that signal and remove it from the signal that's that's transmitted into your ears. So they take that and instead they send those noises to a neural network on the phone. So this is how it's able to operate with a pair of headphones, let's say that you might already have, that it doesn't in, in, you know instantly have this feature um, when you bought it. 
you could still do it because of the power of the neural network on the phone. And then it either boosts or it reduces pieces of the noise that goes into the ears. Um, so you could, you know, you could have, or, or they, the app or whoever's making this could train the neural network to recognize certain noises that you could turn on or off. I'm imagining, right? Like I could see a kind of a, che- a row of check boxes. Oh yeah. So it almost pops up. It's like, here are the things I'm hearing. Yeah. Which I mean, of these things do you want to turn off? Mind you, the article says nothing about that right, part, right. but I'm just, just assuming like, I, right? I could see that being the case. Like, oh yeah, I definitely want to hear, you know, emergency vehicles or mm-hmm. I do want to hear a baby because I have a baby and I definitely don't want to, you know, not hear the baby crying when I need to. Um, so you can wear them and then hopefully not miss the most important things that might happen in your life. Um, and the article um, that I that I read here, MIT, um, what is it, MIT? Why am I suddenly blanking on uh, MIT? Oh, I can't even pull up the article anymore. Anyways, it's a great article. Noise-canceling headphones could let you pick and choose MIT the sounds you want to hear. Just do a search for that. Um, it's uh, It pointed out a really big challenge for, cons- uh, for computers, historically speaking, that I hadn't really considered. When we are in a room filled with people... Mm-hmm. Uh, MIT Technology Review. That's what it is. Um, When we are in a room filled with people and we're talking, there is a ton of noise in that room. Yet, for whatever reason, I can hear you clearly. I mean, unless it's like insanely loud and we're yelling over the top of everything. But our brains are capable of being inside of this room of noise Uh and still focusing our attention on a particular voice or maybe it's a combination of voice and, you know, seeing the, the mouth, mouth move and everything. Mm-hmm. The article calls it the cocktail party problem. And when computers try and do this, they have a really hard time discerning the difference because it's just all flat noise, right? And, it, and it's all coming in, you know, it doesn't have kind of the, the depth perception that maybe we do because yeah. we've got two ears looking, you know, that's that true. Yeah. in different directions. Exactly. That can wow, kind of use so much that involved. To, to filter yeah. through this. And um, it really does seem like, the sort of thing that neural networks and artificial intelligence, you know, would be based on what we know about AI. Right. This seems like one of those problems like we couldn't do this very easily before, but now what do you know? It's, yeah. Now it can be solved. It's, yeah. It can be totally solved. So anyways, I just thought that's a, it's an interesting uh, piece of technology that would, uh, and, and not just for like headphones that you and I wear, assuming that you have no hearing, you know, hearing impairments. Right. But people who do have hearing impairments, this kind of technology and like hearing aids mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff to be able to, with that technology, say, these are the important things that I really want to make sure I hear more than everything. Or I'm getting a flat level of noise coming in from my environment and I want that noise to go back and I want the important things to come forward. That yeah. seems really useful. That's interesting because does this not suggest that it would be possible for any pair of headphones that's running this app or With, that has the noise canceling so it, technology right yeah so that that's what i was curious about i didn't know if it was doing some sort of um some sort of method of filtering that doesn't involve actually the way that you know we know noise canceling headphones to work to actually send out sound as well mm. um that runs in contrast to the sound that's coming in so it'd be cool if you could just essentially upgrade any pair of headphones yeah by right way of this you know what i mean yeah but uh, I guess that would be kind of difficult. So, I mean, or or maybe it wouldn't be like if it's if it's truly the kind of thing you know. I guess I guess they'd have to. Well, let me think about this because essentially, when I'm wearing a piece a, a noise canceling headphone and it's plugged into my phone, 
it's basically saying, here's the audio that you want to hear. Here is the music playing through the music app. And we're reducing everything that's outside of it. So I guess it would just require some sort of software to act as kind of like a mixer between the two would be my, my thought. Yeah, plus an easily accessed microphone somewhere because that's one of the things that well for sure yeah you're you know your your noise canceling headphones have microphones built into them to listen to be able to know what to block out so maybe if you could have your phone on the table or something turn this on the phone could have the microphone and be able to yeah yeah that's this is all conceptual but yeah but still it's a a neat idea and uh it could be incredibly useful not just from a day-to-day like i want to hear my music better but for some people it could be i need to hear this person life-changing potentially yeah just the idea that i could say i can't quite hear this conversation I'm trying to have. Can we just yeah. turn down the room a little right, bit? Right, exactly. Whoa. Like that's really cool. That I, really I cool. love that. It's it's almost like you have a you have a a, a mixer for life. Yeah. <laughs> my my mental mixer. Yes. That'd be super cool. <laughs> so anyways, uh, MIT uh, Technology Review is the uh, place to go for this article and check it out. And yeah, um, I'm looking forward to hearing more about this technology. Who knows? At some point. You know, is this something that ends up in like the settings of a phone? You know, it's like if you've right. got noise canceling headphones, activate this switch. And when it recognizes, because like the, the Google um, Pixel Buds Pro mm-hmm. are, are, you know, Google's latest Pixel Buds that have noise cancellation built into it. Google could potentially, with this technology, have that just be a, a checkmark feature. Yeah, you know, it's like absolutely. Mix, mix your environment. And yeah, for a while now, iOS has offered the ability to recognize many of these sounds you're talking about. So you can actually have it do this thing where it is actively listening for certain um, appliances, mm. the sounds that appliances make, or standard alarms, or a baby crying, or a dog barking, and right now it's just to get a notification on your phone saying I've heard that sound but it's not far from there to just mm-hmm. say you know I want this and it also has a custom training option too where you can say listen to the sound I'm about to oh, play no kidding. and then oh. tell me when you hear that sound so That's cool. if you have I don't know a, a tea kettle that instead of whistles it makes a cow's mooing sound oh. then like, you could train it on that <laughs> yeah or maybe you just have yes. a cow who you love that you I mean, really want to make sure that you pet it whenever it's mooing no <laughs> judgments no yeah you whatever is cow, your, yeah if you fine. got a cow to pet By golly, you better pet it. All right. Let's uh, take a quick break before we come back with my story about how Common Sense Media is has just uh, officially sent out its ratings for some of the chatbots and AI services that are out there. Uh, But I do want to take this moment to tell you about our next sponsor. It's ZocDoc, who are bringing you this episode of Tech News Weekly. So let's take a moment and let's think about this. That feeling you get when you finally find the thing you've been searching for on the internet that tea kettle that makes a cow's mooing sound after spending hours researching and reading thousands of reviews about mooing kettles you finally find it the kettle it could be in your case sparkly disco pants a designer dog hoodie that'd probably be me Uh, whatever it happens to be it checks all of your boxes and it has five stars and it arrives in just 48 hours Hallelujah. Uh, So why is it that you can get that special mooing kettle in just two days, but if you want to see a good doctor, it can take forever to get an appointment? Why is it like this? Yeah. And, and, you know, that doesn't even bring into uh, question the fact that, you know, you don't even know for sure if they're a good doctor. Well, there is a way. 
Thank goodness. It's called ZocDoc. It's a place to find and book great doctors who have amazing reviews, many who have appointments available within 24 hours. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition you're searching for. These docs all have verified reviews from actual, real patients. These are not bots. The average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 48 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. Once you find the doctor you want, you can book them immediately with just a few app taps. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. I love that especially. I don't have to talk to anybody. Woo! So go to ZocDoc.com slash TNW and download the ZocDoc app for free. I know you all out there, very clever people, you could go and do a search for ZocDoc, but I'm asking you to go to that URL. That way they know that we sent you there. ZocDoc.com slash TNW will give you the link to the app, but will also then let them know, bing, oh yeah, I heard Micah talking about that. And tea kettles. Anyway, uh, once you download the ZocDoc app for free at that URL, then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash T-N-W. ZocDoc dot com slash T-N-W. And we thank ZocDoc for sponsoring this week's episode of Tech News Weekly. All right, back from the break. Um, Some of you may know, have heard about uh, Common Sense Media. Um, I I love Common Sense Media. Common Sense Media Media is great. Absolutely Um, love it. It is a not-for-profit organization that, um, is it a not-for-profit or a non-profit? It is a non-profit organization um, that basically does ratings for movies and other media that's aimed at helping parents make a decision on whether they should show their children or, you know, if they're a guardian, show this child that uh, specific media. So a a quick little history. Um, Long ago, when Hollywood was uh, kicking off and started making movies, um, they saw the way that other um, big kind of big groups were being regulated by the government. And Hollywood said, we, the film industry, said we don't want to be regulated by the government. So what we're going to do is go ahead and regulate ourselves. And that way we can say, look, government, you don't need to worry about regulating us. We've got it figured out. That is where the standard ratings came in with G, PG, PG PG-13, R, etc., uh, same thing happened in the video game industry. They created rating for themselves. But over time, those ratings have shifted slightly. Uh, society has shifted in some ways. And maybe those ratings don't have the same meaning that they used to have. Common sense media saw this and said, look, we're going to do kind of an independent thing that gives parents and guardians a better understanding of what the media is. Uh, Apple TV uh, in its listings, it will show you the common sense rating. And what I like about it is that these ratings are specific to the specific title that you are looking at. So it'll say, instead of just saying um, rated R for violence and, you know, b- bad words or whatever it happens to be, it will say um, this film is 
I, I wish I could think of something that's that's uh, actual, but it, it 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 gets a little more detailed. It will say like um, there are you know goofy moments in this film treats drug use lightly or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit more detailed, a little bit better information to give you that. So. There's your understanding of common sense media versus uh, the standard ratings that are in place. And what has happened is that common sense media said, look, we need to take a look at AI uh, because that is a new form of media for many people. And we need to understand and help people understand how uh, this stuff is being used and how um, it may impact children. So they have a... Uh, set of AI principles, and there are eight of them. And so I'm going to go through them very quickly here. Uh, These are the principles that they use to rate these different AI tools and services. Uh, The first one is to put people first. So does it respect human rights and children's rights, as well as identity, integrity, and human dignity? Does it support human agency? Um, The second principle is to promote learning. Is it centered on the needs of individual students, including linguistically diverse students and students with disabilities? The third is to prioritize fairness. Does it prioritize equitable sharing of the benefits of artificial intelligence with a goal of eliminating unfair bias in the development and use of AI systems? The next one is to help people connect. Does it foster meaningful human contact and interpersonal connection? Does it create addition to or dependence on the AI system? Uh, It should not incite hatred against an individual group or dehumanize individuals or groups. Uh, The next one is to be trustworthy. Is it built on sound science that embraces peer review, validated multidisciplinary research, and reproducibility? Next one is to protect our privacy. Does it protect data? Does it provide clear policies and procedures? Does it have notices and consent for the use of data? Does it allow children to access, securely share, understand the use of, and control and delete their data? And for the parents, obviously, to be able to do the same. Um, The next principle is to keep kids and teens safe. So does it protect children's safety, health, and well-being, regardless of whether the product is intended to be used by them? I think that's important. Even if it was not necessarily created for children, we need to know that children will be using it. And if that is the case, then does it does it protect kids? Is it a safe tool for kids? And then the last principle, the eighth principle, be transparent and accountable. Does the product provide mechanisms for feedback, moderation tools for adults, or notification tools that flag potentially harmful content? A question they would ask is, are parents, teachers, and school leaders aware of the AI methods and features being utilized by the system? So with those different uh, principles in mind, they did set out to uh, look at the different uh, tools, ChatGPT, Bard, Dolly, Stable Diffusion, MyAI from Snapchat, Lura, Conmigo, which is from Khan Academy, Chiron Learning, Toddle AI, and something called Elo. And one of the worst ratings in the entire system was for Snapchat, uh, Snapchat's My AI tool. Um, in its review, it said that um, it got a common sense rating of two out of five. Uh, its privacy score was 64%. And that is because it willingly gives sex advice or tips on how to hide beer. Huh. So essentially, when um, they talked to this tool, it 
had lots of uh, red flags that came along with it. Uh, it chatted with teens about sex and alcohol, and it misrepresented Snap's targeted advertising. Uh, common Sense concludes there are, quote, more downsides to my AI than benefits or than benefits. Um, but let's take a look at something like Doll E, okay? So Dolly, um, which is the tool that turns text into visuals, uh, it got a privacy rating of 48% and it got an overall rating of two out of five stars. So if we look at it, it says Dolly has the potential to enable creativity and artistic expression and allow for visualization of new ideas. Um, OpenAI has taken a number of efforts to reduce Dolly's ability to generate harmful content. Uh, we know that. And this is where they contrast it with Stable Diffusion. Um, in their review of Stable Diffusion, uh, they said that it often sexualizes women and girls in generated images. And that is why it received one out of five uh, possible stars because of its uh, chance of doing that. Um, if we look at some of the kind of breakdowns of everything, uh, the highest ratings for for doll e were for its privacy transparency and people first but things like fairness and trust and kids safety all did not score uh very well because um its view of the world can shape impressionable minds with little accountability uh the use of dolly too has the potential to harm individuals and groups by reinforcing stereotypes erasing or denigrating them providing them with uh disparately low quality performance or by subjecting them to indignity. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was that uh, Khan Migo from Khan Academy actually got a four out of five on its common sense rating and an 80% privacy score. The one complaint that they had was that um, it features simulated chats that you can have with historical figures. And of course those can be misleading um, if you know, you don't make it clear to the child that is under a certain age, I would imagine uh, that you're not actually having a chat with George right. Washington or whomever it happens to be. Um, and so, yeah, that, that could be misleading uh, and something to be aware of. But at the same time, I think that's pretty cool. The, if I could have had a uh, conversation with, you know, one of the historical figures we learned about uh, and then based on the historical information that we had about that person, you know, how they would respond. Um, I'm sure that I would learn about some sad things from a few of the historical figures I thought were cool because many of them were slave owners, unfortunately. Right, but, right. Um, Very That is also history. important yeah. too, right? Absolutely. To, to have the whole kit and caboodle there. 100%, um, yeah. So yeah, I think that that's a, I, I had not heard about Conmigo, uh, but I'm going to have to check that one out. It uh, sounds pretty neat. Uh, but in any case, I really am glad that Common Sense Media is doing this, even as a person without, um, kids uh, or anything like that. Um, I don't care if my dogs watch R-rated content. They'll be fine. But even without that, I actually like Common Sense's uh, ratings. Just for myself, I think that it's nice to see what they have to say about whatever it is I'm about to watch um, because it might bring up something that I'm like, oh, actually, that is something that I yeah. don't want to see or I don't like so uh, let's skip this movie or you yeah. know, this the show or whatever it happens to be so it's, it's been really as a parent it's been really useful for me 
um, it, throughout the years. I mean, I've used common sense for, for years. You know, my kids are now 13 and 10, so they're a little bit older. But especially like recently in the, oh, there's this movie that I saw when I was a kid. I have such fond memories of it. And then I put it in common sense. And I'm like, whoa, okay, different time period. Like then that was okay. Now this is, you know, th- there's a lot of themes here that just, you know, over the over time, have, yeah. we have different a different view, a different understanding uh, that that's actually sexual harassment, even though back then we thought that was hilarious. And now our understanding of it is is more refined and common sense really is really good at pointing that out. And I think it's super important for them to be doing this because, as you mentioned, and as they found out, a lot of these AI systems, what they've been trained on, you know, they're very, they're very focused. They like to, they like to pretend like they're, you know, very impartial in the the data that they're putting in there. But it all, all that data tells a certain story, and it tells a certain perspective of a story. So you might see, you know, a disproportionately white people, you know, output, or right. you might see the highly sexualized, you know, if there's a woman in, in the imagery, it's more chances are she's really busty yep. and, you know, it's, it's got that sexualization thing going on. And, uh, you know, again, that just for kids that feeds into this, uh, whether they, you know, it, without their knowing this understanding that they're developing about the world around them and that these things, these sexualized images or whatever they may be, that's normal. Mm-hmm. And when it's not, you know, when it's totally, it's a filter that is being presented to them. These systems are not, in my opinion, well, I mean, except for the ones that are explicitly designed for kids like the Conmigo. They're not designed for kids at all. You know, right. they really, it's, it's the Wild West and especially where we're at right now with AI being, you know, Wild West in so many different ways and, and a lot of the rules not having been written yet. You got to be really careful, especially mm-hmm. with your kids. Absolutely. So. Yeah. So uh, head over to commonsensemedia.org slash AI to learn more about that. Love it. Good pick. All right. Well, we've reached the end of this episode of Tech News Weekly. Thank you so much. For always being here for us, we we appreciate your presence while we do this show. Um, not the presence that you send us. That's, that's <laughs> different. Christmas is around the corner. You don't have to feel like you need to send us any presents. I but mean, we've speak got a present for, yourself. for you. Twit.tv slash TNW. Our, pres- our gift to you is to go there, subscribe, and every week we will give you the gift that is Tech News Weekly uh, in your earbuds. <laughs> um, if you would like to get all of our shows ad-free, there's the gift you can give. Uh, check out Club Twit. You can give it to someone else or to yourself, which in effect is a present to us. Uh, it starts at $7 a month, $84 a year, and you get every single Twitch show with no ads. You get access to exclusive uh, Twit Plus content on the Twit Plus bonus feed. It's a place that has stuff you won't find anywhere else. Outtakes behind the scenes, before the show, after the show, special uh, events that take place in the club. So much fun. And access to the members-only Discord server, a fun place to go to chat with your fellow club Twit members and also those of us here at Twit. It is also the place now where you get to see kind of the making of the show and the live stuff heading up to the show. Twit.tv slash Club Twit. I say starting at $7 a month, not because it's a tiered subscription, but because some folks have said, hey, I'd like to give you more than $7 a month and Thank you. Um, you are able to do that. So it starts at seven, but you can put in a different number there if you'd like. And uh, when you join the club, you'll also gain access to some special club Twit exclusive shows. There's the Untitled Linux Show, which is a show all about Linux. There's Hands on Windows, which is Paul Therott's program that covers Windows tips and tricks. There's Hands on Mac, which is my program that covers Apple tips and tricks. This week I'm talking about uh, the check-in feature on iOS that lets you let your friends 
friends know that you've made it somewhere safely. Friends or family know that you've made it somewhere safely. Um, and there's also Home Theater Geeks from Scott Wilkinson that is all about uh, home theater reviews, home theater questions answered, uh, home theater interviews, really great show, and AI Inside from Jason Howell that covers yes. all things AI. If that sounds good to you, and I think it should, head to twit.tv slash club twit to join the club. And I happen to know that um, we've got lots of people standing by making sure that your club twit experience is great. So if you've been thinking about it, now is the time to take the plunge, check it out, and uh, join us in the Discord and get all those shows downloaded uh, to your podcast players of choice. Um, if you would like to follow me online, I'm at Micah Sargent on many a social media network, or you can head to chihuahua.coffee. That's C-H-I-H-U-A-H-U-A.coffee, where I've got links to the places I'm most active online. You can, if you're a Club Twit member, check out uh, Hands on Mac later today. On Sundays, you can watch Ask the Tech Guys with Leo Laporte and yours truly, where we cover, um, or not where we cover, but where we answer your tech questions live on air. And you can check out on Tuesdays, iOS Today with Rosemary Orchard and yours truly, where we cover all things uh, iOS, tvOS, watchOS, HomePodOS, all the OSs basically from Apple. Um, Jason Howell, what about you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Jason Howell. You can find me on Mastodon, twit.social slash at Jason Howell. Or you can just go to Raygun.fun and everything is listed there. Uh, and let's see here. Yes. AI inside is my other show that I do here right now. Aside from producing behind the scenes, that's a club twit exclusive. Got Steven Shanklin from CNET on with me today to talk about one of his features on kind of the reality distortion field of, of digital photography nowadays and what's real and what's not. And how do we feel about that? So that's coming up later. Um, but as for this show, thank you so much for everyone who helps us do the show each and every week. Uh, John Slinina, John Ashley, we got Burke in the other room. Uh, everybody here at Twit helps us in some way, shape, or form. So thank you to everyone who does that. Thank you for subscribing and for downloading and uh, everything that you do to support us. We'll see you next time on Tech News Weekly. Bye bye bye. Hey there, Scott Wilkinson here. In case you hadn't heard, Home Theater Geeks is back. Each week, I bring you the latest audio-video news, tips and tricks to get the most out of your AV system, product reviews, and more. You can enjoy Home Theater Geeks only if you're a member of Club Twit, which costs 7 bucks a month. Or you can subscribe to Home Theater Geeks by itself for only $2.99 a month. I hope you'll join me for a weekly dose of Home Theater Geekitude. Thank you.